Lord, we ask that by the presence of your Spirit here among us, that you would open our eyes, that we would see Jesus, that you would open our hearts, that your word would fall on good soil, take root and bear much fruit. And Lord, that you would remind us once again, not only of who you are, but who we are in you. And that you would clothe us in power to be your witnesses throughout this city and to the ends of the earth. For your glory and our freedom and joy, we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Please be seated. A little dressed up today because it's a special day. I asked my wife, do you think that I should get all dressed up for Robert's ordination? And she said, Matt, if it were a wedding, you'd get dressed up. And I said, well, yes, I would. And it reminded me that this is not only a special day in the life of Robert, where at the 1045 gathering, we're going to ordain him to the sacred order of deacons in Christ's one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We're going to invite the spirit to fan into flame the gifts that uh, the Spirit has given him for ministry, and we're going uh, to lay hands on him, that he would be anointed and empowered to model and continue Jesus's sacrificial servant-hearted ministry. Uh, and it's also a big day for us uh, as grace, because through this ordination today, we're celebrating God's call on our life. Uh, as a church, asking the Holy Spirit to fan into flames the gifts he's given us as a member of the body of Christ in San Antonio. And we're going to remember today that we've been clothed in power to be witnesses of Jesus, continuing his mission and ministry in the power of the Spirit. And so as we celebrate this special day, the special day for Robert, the special day for us as the people of God. I can think of no better passage to help us celebrate these two things than the scripture passage for this morning. And so I want to encourage you to take out your Bible uh, or to take out one of these blue Bibles. It opened to Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 14 through 22. Luke 4, 14 through 22. In the blue Bible, that's on page 859. Here's the big idea. Jesus declares himself to be the Messiah, calling us to return to fullness of life through a relationship with him and inviting us to join him in his mission and ministry. Jesus declares himself to be the Messiah, calling us to return to fullness of life through a relationship with him and inviting us to join him in his mission and ministry. Let's begin looking at verses 14 and 15. Jesus heads home to Galilee. He returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. On the heels of his victory in the wilderness, Jesus returns to his home state, his home region. This is kind of interesting because Satan tried to lead Jesus to Jerusalem to do miracles before the masses. But the Spirit leads Jesus to small towns and familiar places to love and serve in simple ways. Simple people in simple ways. And Luke doesn't go into a whole lot of detail about what was probably several weeks of ministry in Galilee before he goes to Nazareth. 
But we see a bit more in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark 1, we see Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Turn away from all the other people, places, and things you're worshiping and turn to me and believe the good things that I have come to bring you. We see even more in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew 4. We see Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. A lot of ministry is happening in Galilee between Jesus' temptation in the desert and him going to the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. So when he arrives in Nazareth, he has a reputation. People are already talking and wondering, who is this who teaches with such authority? We've never seen anything like this before. And it kind of raises our first question to contemplate. What does this mean for how you and I experience and participate in what God's doing today? I think one of the really important things that we see here is that ministry isn't meant to be flashy. It's meant to be meaningful. It starts in small places, everyday places, with everyday people, through everyday relationships. And it happens through intentional acts of kindness and help. And it happens through intentional words of truth and grace. What we see here is that meaningful ministry that Jesus exemplifies, that Jesus embodies, that we have received from, that we are called to continue, entails a demonstration of God's love coupled with a declaration of God's love that invites people to return to God's love in Christ. That's the heart of what it means for you and me to experience fullness of life in Christ and then to share fullness of life in Christ with those around us. The Spirit leads us as he led Jesus. The Spirit leads us to meet with people in the midst of their cares and concerns and reconnect them with God to experience his kingdom and the redemption that comes in Christ Jesus. And so I wonder today, as we celebrate what God's doing in and through Robert, as we celebrate what God's doing in and through us as an expression of the local church in San Antonio, what if we hit the reset button? What if today we started fresh and recommitted ourselves to Jesus and his way of ministry? What would the Spirit of God do in our lives and in this neighborhood and throughout this city? Look at verse 16. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, 
he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scripture. Jesus finally heads home. He eventually heads home and he's returning to the town where he grows up and he goes into the synagogue to worship. This was his custom. And this synagogue would have been really familiar to him because it's where he spent every Saturday as a kid. He knows the room. He knows the people. He knows the liturgy. Worship would begin with an invocation of God's blessing, followed by the resuscitation of the Shema, the Hebrew confession of faith, from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And this would be followed by prayer and a reading from Torah and then a reading from the prophets and then a sermon and finally a priestly blessing. Can you imagine what that moment would have been like? Can you ask the Spirit to to take your imagination and help you enter into that room and experience that moment? Can you imagine what it would have been like to have been in the same room, to have been in worship with Jesus, to stand next to him, to hear him sing praise to the Father in spirit? And in truth. One day. Look at verse 17. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. And he unrolled the scroll. And found the place where this was written. Okay, hold on. On this day, Jesus is given the honor of reading the scripture and then preaching. The people have been hearing a great deal about him, and since he was home, they invite him to read and to preach. And so in honor and in reverence of God and his word, Jesus stands up. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah is handed to him from the worship attendant. And Jesus unrolls the scroll and he finds Isaiah 61 and he selects two verses to read. And this is extremely significant because the Jewish rabbis interpret this passage to refer to the Messiah. And the people in the synagogue know this. Can you imagine? Jesus, the incarnate word of God, reads the scripture, the written word of God. The eternal word who spoke in and through the prophet Isaiah and inspired the writing of the book of Isaiah now stands and holds the scroll of Isaiah and reads the very word he authored and inspired. To hear the eternal 
Word of God, read the written word of God, knowing that faith comes from hearing and hearing the message. And he is the message. This is a moment. How long Jesus waited to be in the midst of the people he created. Not to judge them, not to condemn them but to declare his love for them, to humbly come amongst them and serve them, to speak good news of hope and blessing over them how long Jesus waited for this moment. As we consider that, I wonder, what would it look like today to hit the reset button? What would it look like if today we started fresh and recommitted ourselves to Shema? To listen to the Lord our God and the Lord our God above all else. To Shema, to hear and understand and obey. To love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. What if starting today, and our corporate worship on Sunday, and our life groups throughout the week, and our time of personal devotion each morning, we very purposefully began to meet with Jesus through the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit that we might grow in faith and experience fullness of life in Him. Because Jesus is Shema. What would the Spirit of God do in us? What would the Spirit of God do among us? What would the Spirit of God do through us if we returned to him with ears that he heard and hearts that believed and hands and feet that put his word into practice? Look at verses 19, or sorry, 17 through 19. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What the Jewish rabbis knew, what everybody in the synagogue knew, is that this is the mission statement of the Messiah. The Messiah would be, would be good news to the poor. And that means that those who were once outsiders who seemed to be beyond the reach of God's goodness and mercy, would be its primary recipients. For blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It means that the Messiah would be freedom for the prisoners. That those in bondage to sin would be forgiven and set free and returned to righteousness and fullness of life with God and one another. 
It means that the Messiah would be recovery of sight for the blind. That he would bring people out of darkness and into light, out of error into truth, out of confusion into clarity, out of foolishness into wisdom. It means that the Messiah would be freedom for the oppressed. He would deliver his people from guilt and fear to purity and love, from anxiety and shame to peace in full acceptance and belonging. It means that the Messiah would be Jubilee. He would be the favor of God. This is a reference to the year of Jubilee in Leviticus 25. It was a reset button for the entire uh, Jewish economic system. Every 50 years, slaves would be set free and return home. Property would, uh, that was sold would be returned to its original owner, and every debt would be completely forgiven and totally canceled. And Isaiah applies this year of Jubilee to the ministry of the Messiah. And the Jews in Jesus' day expected the Messiah to redeem Israel politically by overthrowing the Romans and restoring the kingdom of Israel. But Isaiah expected the Messiah to redeem Israel spiritually by overthrowing sin and setting people free from its effects. And in reality, the Messiah will do both. His kingdom will usher in the spiritual redemption of his people and lead to the renewal of all things through his people. It's a both and. The mission of the Messiah will be holistic and comprehensive. It will be spiritual and economic, emotional and organizational, physical and social. Because after all, God created a place for his people first. And then he created his people in his image and likeness to occupy and steward that place. And he created his people both physical and spiritual to steward his creation for his glory and for their joy. And so when the Messiah comes to take back all that had been separated and stolen from God and his people, he will come back and renew his people and his planet. He will restore all things to himself, through himself, for himself, including us. I wonder if the Messiah stood here in our midst. If he stood in the back of the room, if he came and sat down next to you, in what ways would you talk about how you've seen his jubilee in your spheres of influence? In what ways would you ask him to bring his jubilee into your life here and now? What would you say? Look at verses 20 and 21. Jesus rolled up the scroll. 
Wait, that's it? That's it? Two verses? He didn't need to read anymore because that covered it. So he gave the scroll back to the attendant and he sat down. Wait, no sermon? You're just going to read the mission statement of the Messiah and then sit down? You're the hot new preacher in Israel, Jesus. Wherever you go, the blind see, the lame walk, and the sick are healed. Demons flee at your presence. And you're just going to read two verses about the Messiah and his mission and then sit down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Do you feel the intensity, the eager anticipation, the the desperation, the hope that was welling up in the people? The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Come on, man, say something, do something. And so he began. He began what? He began to teach them. How did he begin to teach them? He began by saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He dropped the scroll. Jesus proclaims that he's the Messiah and that the Messianic age had now arrived. Jesus is the long-awaited anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. His family tree revealed it. Gabriel told Mary and then Joseph A whole host of angels sang about it at his birth. The Magi knew it at the Jordan River. The Father declared it in the wilderness. The devil admitted it. And now Jesus shares it too. Jesus is Jubilee. How have you experienced Jubilee in Christ? If he stood here in our midst now, in what way? Would we testify to it? If he asked, where do you want to experience Jubilee? Where do you want to experience the fullness of life? How would you respond? Where would you enjoy the kingdom of God breaking into your life, breaking into your relationships, breaking into your space? The kingdom of God breaking in The loving rule, the gracious reign of Jesus the King breaking in and bringing all of the resources and all the inheritance that God has restored to you through him. Where would you like the Messiah to come today? Because he's here. The mission of Jesus to proclaim the good news to the poor freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the Lord's favor has come. And we have been recipients of it. 
And we are now invited to join him and helping others come to him with us. And what this means is that the church doesn't have a mission. The mission of the Messiah has a church. You remember on the evening of his resurrection, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. And that means through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, the heart of the Father and the mission of the Son move in and through our lives. The life of the church, the ecclesia, those who are called out. We're called and commissioned to continue Jesus' mission and ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. And oh, what happens when we do? When we do, people are healed from disease and delivered from distress and loosed from curses and liberated from lies and forgiven and relieved from the ravages of unforgiveness and purified from destructive patterns and all unrighteousness. When the king shows up, his kingdom comes and we are stewards of his presence and power. The spirit of God at work in us, doing greater things than we could even ask or imagine because the Lord shares his love to his people through his people. In Christ. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. There's genuine welcome and loving acceptance. The poor are remembered. The orphan and widow receive care. The hungry are fed. The naked are clothed. The abused restored. The refugee finds a home. Justice is done. Mercy flows because we walk humbly as Jesus walked. We walk lovingly and sacrificially with Jesus and he walks with us. As we live not for ourselves, but for him who died and rose for us. As we live not for ourselves, but we live beyond ourselves for the sake of others. That's who we are as the people of God. And this is what happens when we continue Jesus' mission and ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God breaks into our lives and the lives of people around us and the rule and reign of the Messiah brings fullness of life and it looks like jubilee. So who might the Spirit be leading you, leading us to demonstrate and declare the Lord and his favor and, and hope. Because as followers of Jesus, as the church, we have a task before us. And that task is first and foremost to repent and believe and return to the fullness of life, the relationship with him, and then to join him in the renewal of all things. There are so many ways we are experiencing jubilee in our midst and seeing the kingdom break in and radically transform lives with love and grace and truth and peace 
That's why we partner with Young Life. Serving on committee, encouraging our kids to go to club and campaigners and camp and opening our homes to wildlife and filling tables at the banquet every year. Because as the church, we're committed to the mission of God to bring the loving rule and gracious reign of Jesus Christ to harass and helpless students in our community that they might know the good shepherd and experience fullness of life in him. Not all the other things that they're tempted to find life in. That's why we're loving Lamar through teacher appreciation luncheons and back-to-school blessings and fall festivals and snack packs for kids and the annual Christmas store because as the church, we're committed to the mission of God to bring the loving rule and gracious reign of Jesus Christ to Mankey Park so that every man, woman, and child in that neighborhood might have repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and experience fullness of life in him. It's why we foster, adopt, and provide support for families through Fam Village. Because as the church, we're committed to the mission of God, to love and care and serve the orphan. So together with Alliance for Orphans and other believers all over this city, we're bringing the gracious rule and the loving reign of Jesus Christ to broken homes and burdened children by creating a healthy model and relational network that delivers these children from distress. How is the Spirit of God moving among us, the people of God, to lift up the Messiah of God, that we and those around us might experience fullness of life in him. What additional ways will the Spirit empower us to continue Jesus' mission and ministry, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God? It's who we are because it's who Jesus is in us and through us. Because we abide in Christ and experience fullness of life in him, we begin to live more and more beyond ourselves, helping others know Christ so that they too can abide in him and experience fullness of life in him. Next Friday and Saturday, as a church, we're hosting a spiritual first aid training. And I'm told that this is one of the best prayer trainings available. And I'm confident that the Lord's going to meet with us and equip us in new and deeper ways to bring his kingdom to bear in our lives, in our families' lives, in the lives of those in our spheres of influence, helping us know how to partner with God, to open the eyes of the blind, to set captives free, to bring relief to the oppressed to declare good news of hope and salvation for those who trust in him. And I've never asked this before of our church family, but I'm humbly going to ask you right now, would every single one of you please come next Friday and Saturday? I think this is a pivotal moment for us as the people of God, experiencing the kingdom of God and extending it throughout our families and our neighborhoods in this city. 
Y'all, Jesus calls us to return to fullness of life through a relationship with him. And he invites us to join him in his mission and ministry. Because in Christ, there is hope. He is hope. He is the hope of the world. And God's people have brought that hope to us. And in Christ, we now have the joy and the privilege of bringing that hope to others. Let's pray.